Crock Elite, a podcast about no effects. I'm just bored of no effects, Red. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's almost like they've made too many records. Right. Okay. I just want to listen to a, a record that isn't by them. I mean, that's fair, isn't it? Is it fair though? Because we did we did draw a very definitive line in the sand when we <laughs> when we came up with a, an idea of a podcast about no effects. Yeah, but we've given it a broadly generic title, punk rock elite. We That's we true. are allowed to, you know. <laughs> I know, I know, but I'm I'm really really worried that that people might not let us. Oh wait. We're punks. We can do what we want. Absolutely. Hello, welcome to Punk Rock Elite Podcast, a podcast <laughs> about no effects sometimes. Uh, with me, Eddie French, joined by Red Redmond. Hello. Hello. Different, different thing today. Yeah, but also, you know, you got to remember, you know, no effects fans get annoyed when we discuss no effects. So, oh yeah, you know, yeah, really interested to see how they'll respond to us discussing rancid. Yeah. It's a weird one because I think we did we did talk about I think we mentioned it in the episode but I think we we chose Rancid because we're both big fans of Rancid mm-hmm. but they're also stylistically different enough from No Effects for it to not be too similar. Yeah, I suppose that's the reason why they did a split album together all those it's years. It's exactly ago. the reason and that's that's also the link as well, isn't it? We can go, well, they did they've literally been on the same album as each other, so <laughs> We're sort of thinking outside of the box, but we're still within reaching distance of the box. And also, you know, if you do enjoy this episode, it means that, you know, we've got uh, other bigger Ransom albums to discuss in future. Absolutely. Uh, They've not been released yet, but we are currently up to the last NoFX album that we've recorded Mm -hmm. uh, the discussion of. We didn't secretly record NoFX's albums for them, and this is how we're uh telling you the mm-hmm. um the last one we did was first ditch effort and as you know after that there's only two entire no effects full-length albums mm-hmm. um there's this frank turner split as well which we will be covering but it means that we're down to like three more full-length no effects albums yeah and and as you can imagine, when we started this to go, well, with all the albums no effects have released, we'll be doing this for years, I shouldn't wonder. And com- comfortably within a year, rinsed through all of their recorded work. So there's only so many people we can find to ask, go with your favourite member, before we have <laughs> to start spreading out into looking at... And I think it is probably going to be predominantly 90s punk rock we sort of start with and eventually we may run out of that too but that's why we're talking about rancid today but there's plenty of stuff out there uh, mm. what have you been up to red um me and my girlfriend have been desperately looking for a flat to stay in during christmas whilst we'll be doing panto in manchester and prices as i'm sure you're aware have gone fucking mental so for... sorry am i am i to say that uh a delightful young couple are looking for somewhere to stay around Christmas, and yet there's no room at the inn. There is no room at the inn. But Red, you are heavy uh, with child. <laughs> we are, and and you know, like 
even if we like cancel our Netflix subscription and stop buying all of these avocados, I still don't think that we're going to be able to afford it. No. Well, I mean, you can't, you're not just going to buy a second home like a normal person would. <laughs> no. That's mental, Red. Not. Why are you being so, so millennial about this, Red? We'll get it sorted. It's just taking time and uh, mental capacity. I mean, the thing is, right, we record, we're recording this at about 11 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Surely you've already spent about six hours rising and ground, grounding. <laughs> have you not well, been doing I've that? Well, I've spent a couple hours doing like emails and stuff, but all of a sudden there's, there's other work to be done as well as, you know, finding housing for a month. Oh, honestly, it's like you've got to love the grind, Red. I don't think yeah. you love the grind. No, I don't love the grind. I'm anti-grind. Oh, what? Anti-grind is the best metal genre. <laughs> it's really But the exciting. worst skateboarder. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like, I don't want to damage my skateboard. I'm not doing that. Grinding? No! I've just put fresh tape on it. Yeah, <laughs> that's... It's not a really, really prissy skateboarder who only just likes to go along very smooth, flat surfaces. Just <laughs> only skateboard on, on glass. It's uh, pretty exciting. Um, good. Well, uh, yeah, today I am uh, I'm very excited because I'm, I'm performing in Shippenham this evening. Don't Ooh. go there expecting me because I'll have done it by the time this comes out. But uh, be seeing a friend of the show, Will Hodgson, who's Yay. always a joy to see. So that's very exciting. And then, uh, oh, actually, we'll be seeing you in person this weekend. Or tomorrow, in fact. Tomorrow yes. is uh, uh, Friday, meaning a few days before this comes out. But We're doing a little photo shoot, aren't we? We are. We're doing, well, I got my beach body off of doing Big Diet. So <laughs> I'm celebrating by having some glamour shots done. <laughs> doing Doing a boudoir. Put nice. one of them up above my own bed, like all sassy boss babes. <laughs> See, I can afford a second house in Manchester, Red, because I've been grinding and I'm a boss babe. In fact, Red, do you know what? If you want to make a bit of extra money, um, there's these products that I've been using. They're really, really good, right? Um, and yeah. I reckon you'd be really good at selling them as well, right? Now, you're your own boss. That's the best bit about it, right? Uh-huh. Um, it is um smelly water right but smelly it, water but it makes you feel good right so and you just need to buy them but you'll be able to sell them you know and and in fact you know you can actually head up your own team you can um it's going to be good so is this, uh, is this eric sandin's pyramid scheme it's eric sandin's pyramid scheme smelly water yeah <laughs> odor smelly i'd like <laughs> i'd wouldn't that be the saddest thing? I know I've 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 to talk about no effects for a little bit on the no effects podcast, um, just so that we don't get done by trading standards. Um I did see him saying that he wasn't he hadn't amassed enough to retire. So uh as a result of no effects no longer touring, he and I think the the other members um are like, well, this is our main source of income and it is going. So we're finding other things to do. Hefe's got his acting and, and stuff like that. Melvin's doing life coaching stuff. Smelly's doing his um, surfboarding, uh, surfboard making oh, yeah, uh, company and all this kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and, and all that, and all that kind of thing. But I thought, yeah, for, you know, because, well, um, 
that'd be the, the, the saddest thing. The the drummer in the most one of the most celebrated independent, not even just punk bands, but rock bands of all time. Mm-hmm. They're just going, um, "Hey, girl, uh, haven't seen you since high school, but I <laughs> I remember what a badass you were." Do you want to sell my eau de cologne? It's called Smelly Water. <laughs> that what that would be oh, such a way for the mighty to fall. But if uh, if you've got any ideas of any scams that uh, other members of No Effects might want to do to uh, raise a bit of capital when they're no longer touring, do uh, punkrockelitepodcast at gmail dot com. Do let us well, know. What about like Fat Mike could do like Juice Plus, and he could call it Juice Plus. Juice Plus. Yeah, it sounds could, like yeah. something he'd do. It sounds exactly like something he'd do. I feel like he wouldn't want to do it without another Jew because he's very specific about plurals, isn't he? Mm, yeah. Oh, you've not you've not heard "fuck euphemism" yet about uh, about uh, non-binary pronouns, which. Oh uh, no, I have actually heard that song. Oh, you've heard that one, yeah. yeah. That was a <laughs> single, yeah. Um. Uh. So yeah. So he does want uh he does want his plurals to be plural. Uh. So we'll find out. But yeah, that he could do. I don't know what that would be. Just just a slightly more Jewish experience. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I couldn't say. I, uh, I I'm not a member of the club, so uh, I wouldn't know what that was. But that would be good. Um, I mean, Melvin did have a, a a cafe for a while. He had a little coffee shop. Oh yeah, I remember hearing about that. So he might go back into it. I think uh, I think Hefe was a landlord for a while. He uh, would come off tour, put a deposit on a house, and then rent it out. So I think te- they're all probably, I don't know. So technically, I hate Hefe, which is bad, isn't it? <laughs> it might work differently over there. It doesn't work differently over there. But he might be I'm a nice I'm sure landlord. they're all landlords of something. You'd, it would be surprising if they weren't, but uh, who knows? Maybe they're cool about it. Maybe they're <laughs> not. Um, if you're a landlord, you're probably not listening to this. We're coming up to a weird season, aren't we, with regards to the podcast, because you're going to be, as has been hinted, not doing what you normally do for a bit. Yeah, I'm going to to Manchester. We're doing pantomime for Christmas. Mm. I'll be away. It's become your new fringe. Yeah, it is. It's just a Christmas fringe. Christmas fringe. Oh, the Christmas fringe. That's a, a heartwarming story. <laughs> about a child and their festive haircut um <laughs> so um so they can see all the presents they have their fringe really low and then they get it cut for christmas so they can see the tree that does sound like a john lewis advert <laughs> <laughs> yeah with a, a really really slow uh piano version of hammer smashed face by cannibal corpse so it's all <laughs> touching um <laughs> If you've if you've not seen any of the mawkish John Lewis adverts, John Lewis is a department store in the UK, and they they have um, thirty minute long narrative adverts. Not thirty minutes, but quite long. Usually the length of an entire pop song. Yeah, uh, and it's usually like a, an old pop song, but done on the piano by a lass. Yeah, what was the? It was famously please please, please like- by the Smiths. I was going to say Keen, wasn't it? Some Somewhere Only I Go by Keen was sang by Lily Allen. And ever since then, all oh, adverts no. have to be slow piano versions of pop songs. In, in, in that case, the, uh, in that case the, the version of the Smith song was genius by that standard. Um, 
To be honest, it's not that the the song the self or the version of it is ever sort of dreadful. It's that it's paired with this sort of very mawkish, de- like deliberately manipulative it, thing. It's always it's always praised by someone who's like, oh, isn't it lovely? Isn't it kind and nice and gentle and and lovely and warm and brilliant? Hmm. But then, like, if you scroll down that person's Facebook feed, they'll be like, all these immigrants in the boat. Yeah, some some of them are the genders as well. I can tell. You can always tell. Um, Be kind, but not yeah. to them. Yeah, they, yeah, they're always <laughs> on about kindness, and then they're like, "If anyone ever hurt my family, right? What I'd do is I'd get a razor blade and a broken bottle, right?" And then they go <laughs> go into like a severe amount of detail. Even like true crime fans are going, "Oh God, oh, oh no, need for that." Um, and behind them is live, laugh, love on the wall. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it. It appeals to the sort of people who think they are good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so to avoid that, Red spends the month being in a play. Yeah, that's it. Which, uh, which is, uh, which is all, all very exciting. But it, it does mean the point where uh, I was trying to make um, that we're going to be a little bit weird with episodes around Christmas time, and also, mm-hmm. you know, oh, sorry, can't say Christmas, can you? No more. No, you have to say holidays. You have to say the nation of Wokistan is where we live now with all the wokes in it. Um, so <laughs> yeah, over the, the festive season, uh, we'll probably be having some weirder um, weirder episodes or slightly different ones. We don't want to bother people for interviews around this time of year. We don't want to um, uh, clutter up your feed with stuff when you've probably got nicer things to be doing so we'll be doing it as normal but you know might be a little bit different we might take a couple of weeks off over the christmas new year period and um that's that's gonna be a nice rest for us and a nice rest for you and we'll see you all again in the new year we'll probably have uh, all of the um full-length albums done by that time anyway so we'll uh, we'll come back into the new year with some different sort of episodes ones like this and other ones Anyway, we're going to talk about Rancid for a bit now, which is yeah. super exciting. I uh, hope you enjoy it if you are a Rancid fan. Or if you're not, if you don't like him, let us know why. Podcast at gmail.com. Um, let's do it cutely anyway. Uh, we're going to talk about Rancid, so let's go. See what you did there. Oh, yeah, I did it. I did it. Well, this is new. It is. Don't know quite how this is going to go so um let's act as if it's going to go well and see yes let's go wow that is good so let's go as an album by avril lavigne (laughs) i've i've fallen at the first hurdle there there's an apostrophe and an s that differentiate this record oh well i must have listened to the wrong album then because i thought we were doing avril lavigne's let go Yes, well, um, I, uh, you know, you know, when people start, you know, when that sort of little joke on the internet started and people are going, of course, punk was invented by Avril Lavigne in 2002. And you went, ha And then people are still doing it and you're going, yeah, okay. Great, <laughs> great. That's good. The sort of person who shouts free bird at any fucking gig, that kind of, it's like, come on. I feel like Avril Lavigne inventing punk rock is very much a tenet that slam dunk has ran with i mean i don't think slam dunk <laughs> believe that she 
invented it. I do think they believe that she perfected it. <laughs> so, speaking of which, we've uh, I mean we're we're recording this in the week when uh, new um, Blink One Eight Two music has been released. Um, yes, I heard a small amount of it and uh, was surprised that I thought it was all right. And also, uh, Slam Dunk's lineup is normally announced by now, and they haven't announced anything, which leads me to believe they may have may have got like a a, a larger artist or, or an artist who has already announced a tour. Um, my guess is Simple Plan, oh. um, not not my sort of thing, but I, I think no. they may have Simple Plan. No, come on, Slammy D, release the files. <laughs> So, uh, but here's it. But before we do get into Let's Go, yes, I do have a a vaguely humorous story about Avril Lavigne's Let Go. Vaguely humorous sounds like us, Red. Lay it on me. Uh, So, uh, my girlfriend Kate, when she was like a teenager, um, she was on a family holiday and her dad said that she could choose the music in the car. Hmm. So she chose Avril Lavigne's Let Go. And her dad, who's in a punk band himself, big, um, like, um, quite successful in his own right. Um, I think he got three tracks in, said, this is shit, and threw it out of the window, <laughs> which obviously made Kate very upset. Sure. Um, but in his defense, all he did was let go. <laughs> I bet that made that family holiday rather complicated. And then last Christmas, he bought her the CD again as an apology. <laughs> oh, so it took a wee while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not still with... Yeah, my girlfriend is not 15 years old. Uh, oh, I cool. think every listener is relieved to hear. Because without stating it outright, one can simply not know that fact if we're talking about pop punk. Absolutely. Unfortunately, you do have to state, I'm not one of the bad ones. No. I mean, I think that's why so many pop punk bands talk about wanting to leave their small town, uh, because everyone will know if you're going out with a minor. Whereas if you go to a big anonymous <laughs> city, you can get away with it a lot easier, is my guess anyway. Well, yeah, they've had to leave their hometowns, haven't they? Because in their hometown, they legally have to knock on the door of every resident to let them know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's only a few doors down the road. Yeah, absolutely. It's <laughs> um, That's... <laughs> Basically, yeah, and you don't have to do that if you just decide to move to the middle of nowhere. I'm going to go and tell this tree I'm a nonce. All right, then. Um, <laughs> do you know what's great there is um, I went, uh, oh, I'm annoyed at a sort of an internet meme joke thing about Avril Lavigne. And then I'm just doing the uh, all pop punk singers a predators joke. <laughs> but there's a lot more evidence behind that than there is of uh, the uh, I mean and I know why it's done as well it's done to upset the 77 types and probably increasingly the 90s fatitaf types as well because you know upsetting the older generation is very funny so that's that's always <laughs> going to be funny until you're the older generation and then you go well we, we upset them better obviously but uh, this is uh, talking about 90, this is 1994, mm-hmm. 21st of June, the world was introduced to the second full-length Rancid album, Let's Go. What was the first one? Was the first one a self-titled? Self-titled, and it was when they were a three-piece. It was just Tim Armstrong, ah. Matt Freeman, and Brett Reed. 
and I believe I could be getting this wrong, but my my hazy memory <clears throat> is that um, I think they were wanting Lars Fredrickson to join the band before they recorded the first album, but it was like just as they were about to go into the studio, and so they decided to record it as a three piece just in case the second guitarist thing didn't work out. Yeah, sure. Because it was just easier, more straightforward. They'd already learned all the songs as a three piece. And yeah. um and so yeah, and then so the first thing that Lars Fredrickson appeared on was the Radio 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 seven inch. Sure. Um and there's slightly di- slightly different versions of Radio and Dope Sick Girl, which was a seven inch uh, released on Fat. And this was released on Epitaph. So it was recorded between October and March 93-94 in Berkeley. So this is East Bay AF. That's quite a long recording period. Well, I suppose compared to no effects, where which we've been spending so many episodes on. Well, I'm guessing well it said it said um it says here on the Wikipedia. After Rancid hired second guitarist Lars Fredrickson, they returned to the studio in October 93 with producer Brett Gerwitz of Bad Religion to begin work on their second studio album. Uh, took the band just six days to record the 23 songs selected for the album. So presumably everything after that was like production, mastering, all the rest of it. So the band spent six days doing the actual playing. So there you go. Then they uh, the Let's Go tour was uh, they f- um, yeah they toured they played a couple of shows with Sick of It All and all this stuff and so this is sort of what some people would think of as classic lineup Rancid yeah now what's your relationship with Rancid in general Red because this is a this is a, a no effects uh, podcast yeah I, like I am um, I, I like the Rancid. Sure. I'm probably not as familiar with Rancid as I should be. Uh, I basically, I have, you know, a strong relationship with two of their albums and I have heard bits from others. Um, those two being An Outcome the Wolves, which I think is largely considered to be a lot of people's favourite affairs. Yes. Um, and I really, really like Indestructible. Yes. Um, which I believe I bought in a charity shop in Edinburgh uh, with yourself. Oh yes, I think I I said that was definitely worth picking up. Um, and I I really really uh, enjoyed that album. Listened to it for a very long time. Uh, this is my first time listening to Let's Go all the way through. I have heard bits of it previously. Yes. Um, you know, I, I'm not I'm not sure where this sits in terms. Like, I'm not sure if I prefer Indestructible or if I prefer Let's Go. I think mm. they're uh, certainly comparable. Um, oh, so, have, so you you clearly enjoyed it? Yes, yes. I would say I enjoyed it, but I and hey, hot take coming. I I, I didn't I didn't love it. I'm not in in love with. It. Okay, but I am. I do like it. I think the thing that stands out for me on a first listen is I'm like, because obviously I hadn't looked at the track listing before listening to it, hmm. and then I'm like. 10, 11 songs in, and I'm like, okay, guys, well, we'll be wrapping it up anytime soon, right? Oh. oh and then no. I double check, I'm like, oh, fuck, it's 23 tracks. And then that changes my view of the album, because I'm like, 
because when I listened through all of it, I'm like, it's pretty consistent. And for a 23 track album, that that's really impressive. So, I, yeah. you know, I might not love, love, love it, but there is something undeniably brilliant about releasing a 23 track album, which, you know, is good all the way through. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a it's a very good value album. Yeah, to, to get. Um, mind you, I think uh, I think an outcome the wolves is not shy on songs. No, that's got nineteen. That's got nineteen songs on it. As fuck yeah, outcome the wolves. Yeah, because I mean, I mean that one is. Um, oh, if you get the remastered CD, then you get two bonus tracks as well. But yeah, so that's like fifty minutes long. Is outcome the wolves? This is forty-four minutes long. Yeah, and I thought I thought Wolves in Wolves clothing was long. Yeah, I uh, I know that um, Mike has said that you know thirty-five minutes is is the absolute maximum a punk album should be. Fat Mike says a lot of things, obviously. So uh, it's uh, it depends on uh, on on what you agree with, but <clears throat> but. Um, yeah, I mean, you're getting a lot of track, but then you know they are very fond of the Clash, and the Clash, you know, released a three, a triple album. It it wasn't anywhere near as good as any of their other albums. <laughs> but it was longer. But it was longer. But it was it was a lot, and they and they insisted on selling it for the same price as a as one as a single album. I think Smashing Pumpkins have recently released a triple album because they're. They want to try and, you know, like anything they did in the 90s, Billy Corgan's like obsessed with trying to outdo, which I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen. Like no. you were you were making music in, you know, like commercially, like the biggest genre of that decade. I don't think you're going to be able to outdo that in your 50s, 60s. Um, no. And I've listened to one single off this triple album and it was shit. Oh no! You love Smashing Pumpkins. I, I do. B- Billy Corgan is my Morrissey. Like I know he's a terrible person, <laughs> but like I like his music. I don't know what to say. Because I think he he was one of the many people who said uh, rock is dead, and I think he says mm-hmm. things just because someone's pointed a microphone at him. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. It's you know that's fine. You know, it's, re- respond. But it's like, what do you mean rock is dead? I mean, it's okay. I mean, you know, we've heard some of your albums, mate. It's not a. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think you did much to keep their pulse up. But we're not talking about them right now. We're talking about Let's Go. So my my relationship with Rancid is um, when I was getting into sort of um, punk nineties punk rock. I I re- I felt really I felt a real pull from Rancid. I think they sort of they sort of bridged a gap between what I thought punk was supposed to be and what it could be, which is still something you sort of, I don't know. I suppose, I suppose I'd, I'd been lightly infected with the concept of 77 is real punk. Everything else is whatever Mm -hmm. punk inspired rock or something because rancid looked like a punk band to me. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, you look at sort of, I mean, now you'd look at maybe no effects, Lagwagon, Pennywise, those kind of bands, Offspring, you go, oh yeah, well, it's obvious that they are punk bands because the term is broader, but they just look like 
people in shorts and t-shirts mm-hmm. it was like you know and so and so they were interesting to look at there was something a little more familiar about the sound but also a bit different too and that was uh and that was uh, exciting i think the first stuff i heard was probably outcome the wolves and the you know time bomb and ruby soho and all of those well-known songs it's around the time a friend of mine got mtv <clears throat> pardon me so they, they do always sound like a band that no matter when you hear their music they always feel like a band out of time like they feel like they've been displaced somewhat whether they're from the past or whether they're from the future they just, i don't know like they they feel like they i'm pretty sure that tim armstrong owns a time machine i think is what i'm saying time machine i imagine he calls it but um <laughs> they no well, no the, the, yeah the mad thing is is that they they they'd stick out around 70 if they were turned up in 77 people were like what the fuck and you know and it doesn't sound like a lot of their peers because they've there's a bit more street punk sort of that 77 thing to it um and you know less uh, they certainly don't do like the fat drum beat no uh, yeah, or anything yeah. like that uh, the guitars are a little more they don't have uh, any of that sort of the metally influence, the sort of precision picking and yeah, all of that kind of stuff. Solos are really sort of, um, I don't want to say basic in a bad way, but they're very sort of um, Chuck Berry style rock and roll. Yeah, there is um, a lot of like solos. blues influence in here. Yeah, that kind of thing rather than, um, you know, shreddier stuff. And, and I think that's great. And and it's one of the things that sort of does appeal. It's very simple but effective. Yeah. To me. And also I uh just as soon as I heard there was a band giving so many flowers to their bass player all the time. Um with the bass so high in the mix and it sort of becoming like a weird lead instrument. It's sort of you know, that was that was quite appealing as well. If if there's like I, I I couldn't imagine rancid particularly on this album uh, without their rhythm section like their bass and drums on mm. on this record is incredible and yeah. if 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 they did have a more rudimentary bass player and a more generic drummer I do think this would be a very forgettable album but you know that's not the case and no it's not I think I think a, a lot of these songs are are great as they are yes i think a lot of rancid songs are written on acoustic and then oh okay yeah banded i believe i think that's very very common uh a way that they write certainly because um it's, it's not very riff oriented no yeah it's um so it's got sort of more of a i suppose a ramones approach in that it's everything is there to sort of serve the song but it you know that kind of thing, but I mean, so we open with some lovely chaotic feedback and uh, a lot of lot of pick scrapes on this album, which always is a, a tick in my plus column. Yeah, it starts off with nihilism. Yeah, and what's interesting is that uh, they put their new guy front and center on their next album. 
Oh, okay, sure. So does this start with um, start Lars, Lars vocals? Singing. Yeah, come into the Union District, not down on Shannon Farms. Mm. That, that, and then, I mean, Tim sings the, there's a lot more trade-off in this album as well. Uh, people singing together, singing one bit, one will sing the verse, one will sing the chorus. It's a lot more yeah. mixed, which I really, really like because I, I, I like it when there's different voices in, in music. I think it's just more interesting. It makes it more exciting. Um, and so you've got um, Lars singing the chorus here and Tim singing the uh, the verses and stuff. And I, I think it sounds great. Yeah, and as someone who's, you know, like, uh, listened to a lot of Rancid, but not not as much this album. It's really nice to hear because I'm kind of used to Tim just doing vocals on everything. But you know, we, we don't just get Lars here; we get like a, a few Matty songs as well. We do, yes. Some of my favourites on here are that. Mm. Um, I think probably the most popular song from this, and is and a and a song that they've probably played at every gig is radio track yeah. number two which uh also notable for being co-written with billy joe armstrong of green day of course yes uh because billy joe armstrong was offered the role of second guitarist in rancid but decided he didn't want to he couldn't commit to it fully whilst um working on green day and i mean look where that's got him Kicking his own ass right now, I should imagine. <laughs> Stupid Billy Joe, what are you playing at? But it did give us one of one of an one of the quintessentially classic rancid songs. Yeah, I will be brutally honest. Oh yeah, and I think the, look, there's a lot of versions of this song, and okay. I think this is <laughs> my least favorite version that I've heard so far. Really? <laughs> well. Operation Ivy's version, I think, is just brilliant. I don't think what? that I'd change. Operation Ivy never did a version of radio. Operation Ivy never did radio. No. What are you on about? They must have done. What do you mean they must have done? But they have, haven't they? I don't know. I'm pretty sure not. What? I thought like it. this was an Operation Ivy song. No. No, this is a rancid song. Well, fuck me. Well, you know what? This this hot take has turned tepid, hasn't it? What, what 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 version are you thinking of? I just swear that I'd heard a better version by Rancid, and I kind of I, I must have just assumed it was Operation Ivy or something. Could have been a live version or something. Maybe I'm just getting it mixed up with sound system. But like, I know that I prefer is it literally because they're both boxes that music comes out of. <laughs> and you've got them confused in your mind. <laughs> I I know that I prefer the no effects version to this right. version on this album. Okay. That one does and, that one does exist, so fine. And I assumed that there was another version that was more in line with the no effects version because I thought that I'd heard a version by Rancid that had a little bit more of a ska reggae influence on it. Uh and I, I assumed that that was Operation Ivy, but I must just be wrong. Yes. No, no, this song was done way after... Is, uh... is, there, cause, is there not a version of radio by Rancid that doesn't sound like this? Because the thing... Uh, I, to be honest, the, um, the EP version might be slightly different. 
However, hmm. I think Tim Armstrong has done a solo version of it as part of the Tim Time Bomb project. Um, and I imagine the Interrupters have probably done a live cover of it somewhere. Because it, it does. And if you're not have... paying attention, the last from Interrupters does sound like Tim Armstrong. It's about there is um the version on the radio 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 EP is about fifty seconds shorter, so it huh. would suggest that there probably is another version of it. But I don't know when where why I would have heard that and not the album version. Um, no and it, either way, like it's not like I think this is a great song, but this isn't the best composition of it that I've heard, unfortunately. My opinion. Fair enough. Sorry, mate. That's, I, th- I think that'll be an unpopular position, but I'm, oh, absolutely, I'm sure yeah. it is. But <laughs> uh, but it's it's one that uh, I mean, you may just have remembered seeing them play it live and gone, oh, that was good, and like probably it, yeah, potentially more than um, more than uh, with that. I've, I know uh, Davey Havoc used to sing it with them live quite a lot mm. um, when AFI were on uh, on tour with them and stuff. I, I, seeing Rancid at Liverpool O2 Academy in, I want to say, like 2016, uh, is still one of the best gigs I've been to. Like, they are an incredible live band. Mm. Um, their set list was fantastic. Like, absolutely no notes on the on the set list. It was great. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, they, really, really great band. Who I would have... They, they recently toured the UK, and I really wanted to go, uh, mm. particularly because they were being supported by the Bronx, who are, like, my favourite band. Okay. But it was at Victoria Warehouse in Manchester, and I hate that venue so much. Oh, I remember you saying, yeah. Um, but I, sh- I should have bought tickets. You know, I, I should have. You could, you and Victoria could have made up. Yeah. Oh well. Well, you know, can't uh, can't worry about that too much. Um, so, how did you feel about the song "Sidekick"? I think this is the best track on the album. Really? Okay, is, cool. Is that all right? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, Am I am I back in the good books of the Rancid fans? Oh, you'll never be in that. <laughs> um, you've been vocally supportive of the concept of the distillers in the past. You're you're dead to them. You're right. Um, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so um, no, this one I I was just excited to hear what you thought about it because um, apparently, uh, I mean, I I had a dream I was a vigilant sidekick, mm-hmm. and so I thought, oh, that's kind of fun. But apparently, there's a, a note here on wikipedia that says is about a dream where tim armstrong accompanies the superhero wolverine on his adventures and that is a cartoon i want to see it, isn't it it's that's <laughs> it's, that's i mean yeah and i want i want it to be like old school brown and yellow wolverine like yeah. uh, costume you know I, I want i want it like like uh, that frank miller ronin sort of um samurai thing that he did with um yeah. what's his name years ago um i want i want uh, lars to play saber lars wants to do that mm-hmm. actually to be honest i think saber has usually been played by a wrestler in like the movies and stuff and lars frederickson loves wrestling so he'd well. be it'd be all over that mm-hmm. um and uh i'm just trying to think of the others could play in the think, Wolverine universe. Yeah. Mm. Matt Freeman could be Hulk. Could be. Or Beast. Could be Beast. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. And then Brett, I don't know. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, Brett. I don't know. Uh, this um, he's uh, Brett Reed, uh, my my preferred drummer for Rancid. Uh, not that the current guy is bad, but uh, no, the the drums on this album are pretty standout. Yeah, they're great. I think, uh, uh, and the production of it in general is really really good. Brett Goetz has done uh, done a great job with uh, all of that uh, stuff going on. But yeah, Sidekick, I um, I like it a lot. I think um, it, it's good because it, it it changes it up a little bit. It starts off super, you know, all driving, and then it sort of ceases to down to one clean guitar and sort of meanders a bit, and then comes back. It's it's a nice pendulum swing of of mood. But yeah, it's a sh- it's, do you know I always feel bad for people when their favorite song is like third in, <laughs> especially on a twenty three track thing you know look there's some other great stuff on here that's true um, yeah uh, as i said like i do think this is a very consistent album i think that's the that's the the it, its strength is that i don't get to you know track 15 or whatever and go come on wrap it up lads like yeah because i would say my set one of my second favorites is and we'll get to it but like international cover-up at yeah. track 18 i think is fantastic yeah, no, it's uh, and it's well paced as well. I think, yes, because then uh, I mean, Salvation number four. I love this one. There was also a, vid- a video for this one as well. I think this feels like really quintessential rancid. Yeah, like it's got the trad punk thing to it, but that there is something in it that I I don't know exactly what the other genre it is, but there, there's something. Um, else going on in there that just makes it feel very rancid. It's interesting because it's sort of it's also sort of quite mid tempo, but it's not. Yeah, but it's not ploddy or meandery. It's sort mm. of it, and it even then slows down even further for a part of it. It's uh, it's, but it, I think it's just great. And um, and what I like is that most of the chorus, most of the "Come on, baby, won't you show me what you got?" and all that stuff. Most of it is pick slides. Just one big power chord, and then for all of it, I'm like, this is great stuff, lads. Keep it coming. This is yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need the notes, just the noise. That's super exciting to me. And and the bass workers. I mean, it seems almost redundant to say this for every song, but you know, the the, the bass work is is great. And um, in the uh, in that solo, the guitar solo is so sparse. Hmm. The bass is doing more work than the guitar in the solo. And it feels like it's a sort of two-part start. It's great. So good. Yeah, he's not a lazy bass player, is he? No, I think uh, what I like... And what I like is that he doesn't look like it's really taxing him that much. Whenever you see him playing, he just... like Just looks like it's just happening really, really easily. Obviously, we don't get anything quite like uh, Maxwell Murder or Axiom in the sort of bass solo thing. But mm. um, you don't... To be honest, you don't really need it. I can't think of any song where one would be good. Or no, it would be good, but where one would be necessary. Because, you know, then you move into something, the next song, Tenderloin, which is one of my favourites on this album. And you've got a a non-stop walking bass line throughout the entire thing. Yeah, and I feel like this is where we start really hearing the blues influence, which I think is throughout the album. Mm. Um. I definitely hear that that here on this track. Um, 
I think I think you know again like really interesting track but you know what you were saying about like hearing different voices it's like it is more exciting because you you hear more variety of what this band can do yeah um and I think this track's really interesting because it's so different to anything else but it it feels you know it, it doesn't feel out of place here and then there's a little bit of Matty Freeman's vocals to me in, on this track in particular that sound a little bit less than Jake all right. And I can't quite... Cause I generally, I don't have that note for his vocals generally. Well, the, his voice on this is a lot different to the more recent stuff where he's a lot more gravelly, a lot more... Because mm. I don't think he does a great deal of lead vocals after yeah. this album until Rancid 2000. Because he doesn't... I don't think he does any vocals on... Um, Outcome the wolf on on um, so. on sorry he doesn't do any lead vocals on Outcome the Wolves. I don't think he does any vocals at all on Life Won't Wait because hmm. he's only credited as bass uh, on that one. I think he does like backing vocals and you know whatever gang vocals and stuff like that on um, on Outcome the Wolves. And then he's got some of his own songs to sing like um, uh, Black black derby jacket and a few others on uh, on that and his voice has changed a lot in this one you can hear he's the most gravelly but it's still he's a younger man you know and that kind of thing so but it's uh yeah i love it about the uh tenderloin area of um is it san francisco maybe it's where a lot of sex workers are and stuff like that so it's mm-hmm. uh about some street walkers um is it here's a little hot take I think the title track of this album may be the weakest. Yeah, I was going to just say that this is the first track on the album that doesn't stand out in my memory very much. And there are a few... I mean, hey, look, it's a 23-track album. And from um, an artist... I don't want to say, like, sounds the same all the time because they they definitely don't. And obviously, Mm. like I've just said, like a song like Tenderloin. But... um, I don't know, it, it can be easy for some of these songs to blend into each other, and this is the first one that doesn't stand out for me. Yeah, I, uh, I, it, it's weird to have this as the title track, but then as an album title, it's it's the only one that it could really be. Unless they, yeah. just, called it, unless they just called it something that it wasn't, you know, that it wasn't a song title. Um, but uh, yeah, it's fine. Again, it... It's only sort of fairly um, fairly forgettable by the standards of a very high-quality album. So it's not even like a, I dislike it or I skip it. It's just not one that grabs me for that long, you know? Yeah. And it, and that's just as well because it's only, it's less than a minute and a half long anyway. So, you know, that's another good, good live, thing. though. Oh, I'm sure it is, yeah. Um, though that's the good thing is that, um, like, the longest song is Radio. And mm-hmm. that's not even three minutes. The next longest is two and a half minutes. And then after that, you're not really breaking two and a quarter minutes on any of them. Most of them under two minutes. It's uh, And it's great because it doesn't. none of these songs need to be any longer. They're all like very well crafted to be precisely yeah. what they need to be. And I think that's what you, what you mean uh, when you say it is... A really impressive album in that in that respect. Um, mm. So we've got sort of as one. How are you? 
Yeah, I I like as one. I do yeah. get it mixed up with I am the one, which is yeah. only a few tracks after it. It is, and I prefer I am the one, but uh, as one is quite good. But I think because um, it's got that uh, sort of slightly um, sort of groovy intro, it's sort of the first little hints of a sort of a rhythmical guitar sound that. Uh, would suggest because I, I don't believe Rancid really did any sort of scar stuff until Outcome the Wolves. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there's no real uh, deviation from punk here. Like, there isn't like the odd scar track. No, no, they, uh, and I don't know if that's because, I mean, to be honest, Operation Ivy had been split up for four years by this point. But yeah. but Rancid was the first sort of project of Tim Armstrong's that had that he'd managed to run with for that long because he did, I think he did some hardcore thing called Generator. He founded the Dancehall Crashes and then left, and then uh, I think there might have been some other project as well. And then finally um, Rancid, and that was the one that stuck. So I don't know if he just didn't feel like writing any scar stuff or if he thought if i do scar stuff now people are going to go oh operation ivy or or what so yeah yeah no, sure. no real information on that just um just theories uh on that one but uh yeah i think uh i think it's uh pretty uh i think i think it's pretty pretty good and also that i think they all just sort of work very very nicely in a sort of very sort of simple way you know the the yeah don't need much more i'm i'm babbling now um we've got uh burn as well yeah great great bass work stands out for me yes just gonna let's see because it says here that is um eric eric raider is um credited with co-writer written by Armstrong Freeman and Eric Rader. Now, I don't know if that's because uh, Eric Rader is someone from Rockmaster Scott and the Dynamic Three, because there's a little sound that we don't need no water, let the motherfucker burn. Yeah, I thought is, is from. Is, is it technically a cover? This like, or if they no, just it's it's sort borrowed. of sampled, right? But I don't know if this Eric Rader individual is someone connected to uh rockmaster scott or uh, the dynamic three or someone else because when i googled eric raider i just got eric johan albert raider and eric and raider are both spelt incorrectly who are german admirals a german admiral um who was in charge of the german navy in the second world war so you know well, that's probably him yeah it's definitely definitely him <laughs> so uh yeah very very uh yeah so oh hello no it doesn't matter so if anyone does know who eric raider is um then uh by all means let us know punk or elite podcast at gmail.com but uh yeah it's 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 pretty fun but uh, i remember hearing this Around the same time, the Bloodhound Gang released their song with yes. the roof is on fire, and I didn't know, didn't have 
didn't have the internet, which I still can't access information on, it would seem. Uh, so I didn't know what uh, which had come first. But then I, I'd heard heard it used in more of a hip-hop context as well. So I thought, oh, maybe they're all just pulling from hip-hop yeah. in some way. But yeah, there was yeah that um, <clears throat> very slow Bloodhound Gang song. Uh, I'm very sorry if you enjoyed Bloodhound Gang at any point, everyone, but uh, I thought they were dog shit. But <laughs> that was the point, I think, in many, many ways. I did know um, there was a band in York when I was a teenager who supported Bloodhound Gang every time they went around Europe and stuff. There was a, uh, a comedy promoter. She doesn't She doesn't um, book comedy gigs anymore, I don't think. But she was briefly the tour manager of Bloodhound Gang. Oh. And um, she... <laughs> She said that they used to have a game where they used to try and spike her with different substances at different shows. That sounds like a cool game. It sounds horrendous, doesn't it? That's fucking hell. But, um, yeah, you know, well, the 90s was a different time. Can't a horrible can't. time. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? And it's also, I think there's there's a lot, there seems to be, some sort of thing where I think Jackass has got a lot to answer for because it's like, it, yeah, it's, it's fine if you want to skateboard out of a tree into a sewage farm, sure. fill, fill your literal and figurative boots, but then it's like, oh, we're gonna prank someone now. That's not the same thing is it like we're gonna put <laughs> we're gonna put someone else out of a tree into some dog shit I'm like that's not you know all right that's just being a prick though isn't it and then there's like oh i'm gonna oh hello mtv give me loads of money and film me hitting an old man is that your dad yeah fuck it i'm gonna hit him why are you why are you hitting that old man oh, it's telly in it so th- there is just this sort of it's, i always thought of it as being very sort of macho and um it was basically just jock behavior from people mm. who claim not to be so mm. you know just go and play sports lads that'll be fine you'll you'll, you'll have more fun anyway <laughs> it's my own prejudices coming out there but you know fuck them and all of that so um but yeah but that was good i like i really like the ballad of jimmy and johnny yeah and i, I feel like this is where um it's nice to talk about this one on our podcast because I feel some similarities with some of NoFX's music, just in that this track feels very much like a love letter to, um, you know, uh, a relationship like built through punk rock. Mm. You know, like one of those sort of like NoFX songs about, hey, there was a guy who used to come to shows and his name was... Um, chocolate buttons and we, we yeah. and here is a song about chocolate buttons yeah um there isn't a song about anyone called chocolate buttons but it is the sort of thing that that might be yeah exactly somewhat yeah you know, like oh look it's 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 trash hole yeah the local uh, punk yeah. trash hole and then and then they'd write a song called kids of the trash hole yeah and it would be about all of the illegitimate children that trash hole had or whatever you know yes. and it's, and it's like it's brilliant you know great um and this is because I, I don't know whether 
I get the feeling that I think Tim Armstrong might be might be slightly better at fabricating stories in order to talk about things than Ma- Mike appears to be sort of alarmingly honest. <laughs> yeah, like, like sure. we'll just tell the literal story of whoever. Whereas I think this, the ballad of Jimmy and Johnny, might be several stories put together. I'm not saying mm-hmm. like I'm. I don't want people to think I'm saying Tim Armstrong is a liar. I'm saying we're making a song of true elements to create a fictional story that tells us a truth is is a is is a good thing for songwriters to do because it you know and um and all this stuff and there's also a lot of like um sort of it's almost like subculture dysphoria in this like <laughs> sure. Jimmy, like um like they're like they're both skinheads but one of them's like no you're a mod like no well you're a it's 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 really (laughs) really weird how there are two people who both self-identify as skinheads and the other ones are going mate you ain't a skinhead like you you listen to ska music oh yeah well you listen to punk rock so and it's um and it's a very strange but they're uh but i do like it a lot it's uh yeah, and I do like it when uh, when bands talk about their own subculture in uh, in that sort of way. So I think it's very very cool because obviously, Rancid are a band who like both Scar and Last Resort, and uh, you know, and all of those things are a uh, 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 sucker for them. So, so that's cool. Uh, we got um, we got another Matt Freeman one. Hooray, Gunshot. Yeah. Catchy, 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 catchy stuff. Yeah, it's some of like I, I'm really enjoying the Matty Freeman songs on this album. Obviously, mm-hmm. having not had much of a relationship with this album before, and hearing some of their like other bigger albums, like I've not really heard Matty sing much. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. it. It reminds me of um, I really enjoy the Alkaline Trio songs where their bassist sings. Oh, Dan, yeah. Um, and I'm getting the same thing here. Like you know, this is this is lovely. More of this, please. Yeah, absolutely. It's I always I always sort of felt that it was a, a shame that this didn't happen more. And and again, it's um, but you can when the others join in on Gunshot, you can hear it's them. They don't sound like backing singers. They sound like they are all singing. Yeah, which because sometimes you hear it's potentially a complaint about no effects that could be brought up. Uh, in a way, I say complaint. Sort of, basically, you, when they've got like the harmonies and stuff uh, and backing vocals on no effects things, unless it's the Mel yell or whatever, you can't mm-hmm. really tell whether it's Mike doubling his vocal, whether it's Hefe doing something, whether it's one of their. Well, that, that's why they they bring people in, don't they? Like yeah. like Spike. Well, it's why they bring in the the ringers and stuff for for that kind of thing. Whereas you can hear this as being all the members of Rancid singing at once. And that's a very appealing thing, especially because Rancid have got more of that sort of gang image. Like the, this is a, yeah. a, a gang of people. This is a, a, a self-contained, don't need anyone else unit of people. And they're not doing it in a sort of, in a, like a New York hardcore kind of way where they have to keep on repeating it over and over again to convince everybody. But, <laughs> you know, you, you you do hear that in the slightly less um, less inspired 
um new york hardcore style music you know mm-hmm. um and in this it just it just feels like it they're they're showing not telling and that's great but yeah gunshot super catchy um one of the faster ones on the album really really great now you're familiar with this next one as well because this is another one that no effects covered yeah i i i will be honest to say i i don't really care much for this song or like the cover of it um but i i don't hate it i don't think there's any i don't think there's a single track on here that i dislike or i think is a bad track yeah um but this isn't one of my favorites yeah it's um i like it i i think the i think the no effects version might stand out a little bit more just because this sounds like an album track from let's go sure is what it sounds like which is sort of weird but that is precisely what it sounds like so um uh yeah it's not it, it doesn't it it's good i think it fits in well where it is it doesn't do anything none of these songs do anything to disrupt the flow of the album it's just nice to to have it and uh and pass through yeah, I it, you know like it, I do think it's a bit of a shame that we don't get as much variety on this album as we do in uh Indestructible um but like it is still really good that they've got a 23 track album of just you know like them doing this type of rancid like it it does have value um but I I wish there was slightly more variety on the album yeah, I guess I uh, I see what you mean. Um, that's fine. Well, you got uh, "Gave It Away" next, one of the shortest songs, mm-hmm. and um, a lot. It's weird. A lot of songs appear to just be um, a single line repeated in a uh, in a re- <laughs> in, in it with a really good melody hook, and and you know what? It works. So keep at it, lads. Top work. So uh, we'll get. Uh, let me see where are we. So yeah, um, we get another one of my favourites, and it's another. Well, this is an Armstrong Freeman uh, composition, and another Matty Wong Ghetto Box. Really, really like it. Yeah, it, yeah, it's good. And it's because it's got the uh, it's got the call and response thing. Ghetto Box talking, duck on the back streets. Cocaine's walking, duck on the back streets. And the the chorus um, melody is brilliant so yeah it's uh any of the freeman ones on here are absolutely great and i'm sure there are people being violently ill as we talk about this because uh i know that matt freeman's voice is a divisive divisive issue probably later in later era rancid than this one yeah i was gonna say like i think this all sounds good but i have heard some of his later tracks that where i i understand criticisms (laughs) It's uh, I don't know. It's it's really funny because he talks the same as he did when he was in the nineties, like just to speak vocally. But his singing voice has changed loads. <laughs> oh, that is odd. Yeah, yeah. Because you'd expect. Because I know that he was like a heavy smoker for a long time. He there was a period of time when uh, he had a, a lung cancer scare, and it turned out that it wasn't. It was something else that was causing like cysts and that's all been dealt with and and he's and he's fine he did stop smoking as a result of that but um so yeah so i don't know whether that was it or whether he just likes singing that way 
Have you heard any of Matt Freeman's solo projects? I haven't. I was literally just about to ask, has he done that? He's done, he did one called The Devil's Brigade, which was like a, a rockabilly thing. He was playing double bass in mm. uh, singing, and that was pretty good. And he's also in a sort of a Motorhead style band. Uh, okay. Argia. And they're very good. Yeah, they've, uh, they're sort of, sort of more rock, but also rock or like very old school metal. Mm-hmm. Like before it was all like virtuoso stuff but yeah really got a three-piece there and he i think he does uh i think he sang he was lead singer in devil's brigade and he does i think he trades off singing with the guitarist in uh charger but yeah i like charger a lot so if you want to get more more matt freeman then uh there is a way there are there are ways out there so that's pretty cool uh, but yeah ghetto box i love um uh, Harry Bridges is uh, is fine. Not one of my favorites, but it's all right. Yeah, uh, again, like, but to be to give it credit because I have been asking for it. Like, this does lend a little variety to it. Yes. So you know, I, I do have to acknowledge it when I hear it. Um, no, no. And to have, I think the guitar they kind of like drift between rancid, like you know, uh, they have quite like a distorted, almost like a blues inspired. Um, solo guitar thing going on but then they go into like this you know very clean very bright um yeah the the clean track channel on a two channel amplifier yeah sort of thing yeah it's um it's similar to the um the uh guitar used on lockstep and gone from outcome the wolves mm. jang jagger jang jagger jagger jang yeah and they they use that kind of thing uh here which is something that they don't sort of do a lot around so they either have sort of like whenever they do scar stuff they never do the sort of scar verse punk chorus yeah sort of the 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 format that's been used sort of since the third wave scar thing in the u.s you know um it's always been they've always had a full ska song and a full punk song and they played those one after the other and all that kind of thing which is why their ska sounds more like sort of a two-tone approach to it mm. than uh, than their peers maybe and they don't do a lot of um you know clean guitar then distorted guitar but on this album it's quite it's it's fairly common to have it and it's not really something that ha- it's not like they do sort of a, a clean thing to like if they introduce Roots Radical but right at the beginning it wasn't that muted um, distorted guitar and it was just like a, a an open strummed clean guitar that would be that would be weird and shit wouldn't it hmm. but that's but that yeah there's a yeah so a, a bit of a bit of uh, a change but a difference is all good um, I must admit uh, yeah black and blue great love it yeah, it's really good. It, this is this Matty as well. Yeah, and now this sounds more like his later work that I've heard. Like he's a bit more gravelly on this track. Yes, yes, absolutely. This is uh, what you can come to expect of of later Matt Freeman. But uh, I just I can't fault any of the Matt Freeman songs on this. I really can't. They're, no, they they're really really strong. Really stand out for me, um, and it makes me wonder why. Uh, he's not had more stuff. Maybe he just didn't write anymore. Maybe he was like, "No, nah, I'm done with that." It and it then... might be down to he doesn't like singing and playing. 
like he feels he's a better player than he is a singer. And Perhaps. it must be real tricky to sing these songs whilst playing his bass line. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I suppose so. I don't know. It's it's it could be any it could be I don't know. I honestly don't know. Because it was sort of him and Tim's band, because he and Tim obviously Operation Ivy Days onwards. They've known each other since they were like six or something. They're like really, really young kids when they knew each other. And so I always sort of felt like it was their band. But then sort of much later on, you find, or sort of even slightly later on, you find um, you find sort of uh, Lars Fredrickson is sort of like de facto leader as well, because Tim doesn't do a great deal of sort of talking to the crowd or, you know, that kind of thing. It's always Lars leading the audience interaction stuff when they play mm. live and shit like that, isn't it? So, But maybe that's maybe that's just a personality thing. Hello everyone, Eddie here. Red and I hope you're enjoying our show. If you have been and would like to help us make it a little more easily, then you can donate to us at our coffee page, which is ko-fi.com forward slash punk rock elite, or you can look in the show notes for our link tree. If you can't help us financially, we totally understand, but would love it if you spread the word to other people who would like this podcast. We thank you for your continued support. We massively appreciate it. Back to the show. St. Mary is one of the only uh, uh, Lars Fredrickson uh, written songs on here. Oh, is it? The other one being Nihilism. Oh, okay. Really, really like it. And it's about um, a, a violent act of revenge. So about killing some cops. I think it's around this point where the... Um, I think it's a testament to the pacing of the album because around here it it just kind of like I'm, I I feel like at this point I should be getting bored of the album and I should be waiting for it to wind up but then it, it's saved loads of like the best tracks mm. for this stage of an album which which rarely happens it's you know rarely are you listening to an album and at 16 tracks or at track number 16 you're like oh yeah some good shit I don't know, that doesn't normally happen, but I think they've got some really great stuff towards the backside of this album. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's especially interesting coming from uh, from you, who said of the war on errorism, <laughs> after track seven, I'd be fine. Well, whilst also I meant it. <laughs> whilst maintaining it, it's one of their strongest albums, which I... Uh, which <laughs> is, which Those is, first tracks are great. Absolutely in agreement with you. I just... <laughs> really really funny to hear you say that about that and then go uh no nah, this one this one holds it up all the way but it, it does it does albums. they are very different albums but you're right yeah no i i agree um and dope sick girl i uh i really like as well this one's uh, yep. a proper little gem and you're right they no you're right they do uh they do put uh a few little stunners in a row there as well yeah so yeah, dope sick girl it's got that brilliant catchy hook um mm-hmm. it's got that and it's got that uh the bass um intro which you might recognize as what they put into their version of vanilla sax oh of course the guitar so there you go we've got a little little no effects connection i think that was why we well i mean the reason we chose to do let's go 
or I forced Red to do Let's Go. Let's not <laughs> let's not rewrite history here. Was because obviously you know you're, oh we're going to talk about we talk about nineties punk rock. So Rancid will obviously outcome the Wolves. But I thought let's not do that for a couple of reasons. One, there's more no effects connection on this. Yeah, from the covers and stuff like that. I think it's um, I think it's slightly more interesting to talk about the path less traveled a bit, mm-hmm. and equally is that we, if we do this one and people want to hear us talk about Rancid more, if we started with the most popular album, where would we go from there? Just yeah, down. exactly. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, we're starting with a really, really good one. But not what is considered not the one that is championed as being the best. You know, it's like if we'd have just skipped straight to Punk and Droblik instead of forcing you all to listen to S and M Airlines. It feels like you've earned it. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that's why. But it's but also this album is a real fucking treat and forty five minutes and it's not and it doesn't get boring. That's great. It's very impressive. Super cool. But yeah, what are your feelings on Dope Sick Girl? Uh, yeah, the same really. Like, I think that these three tracks, Saint Mary, Dope Sick Girl, and International Cover Up, I think mm. are three absolute bangers, and I think it's yep. a really good idea to to place them where they are in the album. Um, I I think it, it's interesting that you said it, this is a this is produced by Brett Gerwitz because before listening to this album, uh, one of the things I would have said that I enjoyed about Rancid is like, um. I don't feel they always sound the same and I don't find that songs kind of blend into each other, uh, which is a criticism, not a strong criticism, but it is a minor criticism I have of uh, Bad Religion um, in that I think a lot of their tracks do sound uh, the same. And I think on this album, I think this is the most the same I've found Rancid to sound song to song. Um, The the album has a an overall sound doesn't yes. it? yes yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's similar to um so long and thanks for all the shoes yeah yeah it is it's like yeah. a very consistent you could you could identify which album it came off of if it was in a mix yeah. um and and the next one i think i think brett goetz might have done their first album as well um Oh no, beg your pardon. Uh Donald Cameron uh did the first one. So this uh, I think oh I think uh, um Brett Goetz might have done their um two thousand album because it was Jerry Finn who did um uh Outcome of the Wolves. And he's sort of it's interesting because he Jerry Finn is sort of more of a you look at some of these uh, bands that he's done. Mm-hmm. He's done bands like um, Green Day, Goo Goo Dolls. Uh, oh, he did dance. He mixing on dancehall crashes. He mixed Ash, Jawbreaker, The Muffs, Pennywise, nice. Slash's Snake Pit, um, all sorts of uh, stuff like that. So sort of a variety of people. But so yeah, I mean, he did the production, or he did. We did the mixing on um, on Green Day's sort of 
popular ones and stuff like that. He's done a lot of mixing and stuff, but um yeah, with this I think the the production is is really, really great. I think and I love how much how much glory the bass is given. And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? It's the bass is a is a is a, a celebrated instrument in Rancid, as it would be if you had Matt Freeman in your band. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, so and now we're coming to one of your favourites now, International Cover Up. Yeah, well, it's just, it's just a good little song, isn't it? And it, Great. you know, I, I don't think this is miles better than than the other tracks on here. It's just, mm. I think it's slightly better and slightly more unique. But you know, as I've said, I think it's before, one of the fastest ones. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the most upbeat ones, and um, and yeah, and it's a nice bit of gang vocally stuff. It's uh, it's super fast. They've got. The great thing is, is that the names of these songs are all so fucking cool. <laughs> international cover-up. That's a great thing to say. <laughs> What's it about? Fuck knows. An international cover-up. Yeah, but of what? <laughs> Doesn't matter, mate. <laughs> I am kind of like blown away they, that they wrote all these songs and they recorded all these songs. And that they can remember which one each one is. Yeah. Same. <laughs> How does... I don't know, like, there's so many songs on here, which, I don't know, like, how do you... <laughs> I know what you mean, because sometimes, if you were slightly distracted, you could be forgiven for thinking that a song was carrying on playing. Yeah. In, in that sort of, you know, the only thing that might give it away is if it was in a different key, or something like that, if you're if you're capable of, of noticing those things, and I am sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I think there's, I think that's the sort of the Ramones element of Rancid. Yes. Um, which is good because it means that songs sort of sound, after the first handful of songs on this, every song sounds sort of familiar in a good way. Yeah. So it always feels like you've sort of always heard this album before, which is kind of cool, really. It, it, it makes it a very, it makes you nostalgic for an album that you may well be listening to for the very first time, which is, yeah, which is clever. But uh, but I think it is just that that lovely consistent sound that they've got. And if they record twenty three songs in six days, it's what like four songs a day. Yeah. Assuming that they, assuming that they've recorded it live rather than anyway, it doesn't I don't know. We can only speculate on that. They may well have recorded it live and then put the uh, put the uh, vocals on afterwards. I honestly couldn't say. But uh, yeah, great stuff. Solidarity is possibly the one that I, I don't really recall to mind very clearly. I find like Solidarity and Midnight are yeah. perfectly decent album tracks here, but they don't stick in my mind. Mm. Yeah, no, that neither of them stick out to me. Uh, I think Motorcycle Ride picks it back up again. I love Motorcycle Ride. Yeah. Um, but I the only criticism I'd have is like I love Motorcycle Ride so much that I struggle to care for the two tracks that follow it. I think if, if Motorcycle Ride were to be the last track on it, yeah, I think that would be a good thing. I don't think there'd be any problem with it. And I, I don't know what... Hmm. Uh, like, <laughs> does this album need 23 tracks? It's impressive. Sure. And I feel like I go, I, I think I agree with Mike, uh, Fat Mike, when he said, like, you know, punk albums should be around 35 minutes. I, I, I do think this album is 10 minutes too long. Yeah. I, 
I, I don't think they necessarily pad it out with shit because I don't no, think there's anything no. on here that's shit. No, absolutely. But I, I don't know what you're gaining by adding the final 10 minutes. I do know what you mean. But I have just looked up motorcycle ride lyrics and they're the lyrics to Time Bomb. Wait, what? If you want to make a move, then you better come in. It's just the ability to reason that we're so thin, living and dying in the stories that are true. The secret to good life is knowing when you're through. Before she died, I bit the bullet on a motorcycle ride. I've never even noticed that. That's so funny. What? Just that twice. I'm just checking that this is it. I've got I've got my CD of Let's Go. No, no it, it is that like it's the first the first verse is the same. Wow. Wow, so there we go. I didn't. Do you know what? I've been a Rancid fan for so many years. I didn't even know that the lyrics to "Time Bomb" were recycled from "Motorcycle Ride." That's <laughs> and wild. you know, like we were already saying, like how do they differentiate between their songs? They've literally got songs <laughs> with the same lyrics. <laughs> yeah, that's even <laughs> clever. I mean, this does not sound like "Time Bomb." No, it doesn't. No, not at all. So I think uh, I think it's easy to differentiate that one, but it might be why I've never heard them do motorcycle ride live. It'd be interesting yeah. to do that, but yeah. But uh, you know, we'll f- finish it up. I think name is good. There's a good bit of I used um, I used that track to help hone my Tim Armstrong impression because right at the beginning, you just yo don't know my name, yo don't know my name. <laughs> it's very very handy um but yeah i don't doesn't really and yeah seven years down doesn't doesn't grab me that much either but uh but i think you're right i think i'm sort of wearing wearing a little bit out by this point because when you get to the end of motorcycle ride you're like 40 minutes mm, yeah and these last two songs just that extra four minutes, nearly Look, five minutes. That... It just doesn't feel like this album has a closing track. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It um, feels like it ends. It just, it doesn't finish. Oh, it does finish. It just finish. It doesn't have an ending. Yeah. Like if they did like a scar number after midnight, uh, after motorcycle ride, I'd be like, yeah, sure, why not? Or something maybe a bit more anthemic. Yeah, maybe yeah. something crescendoy. But it doesn't feel like it feels like the that they just go. That is all the songs we have by. I mean, ending on "Let's Go." I know it's not the best by any means, like the best track here. But mm. like, at least then thematically, yeah, it would have a a place at the end. Yeah, I don't know, or even something like "Gave It Away," because it's yeah, super sharp, super fast. You know, wraps it up a bit, but. I don't know. It's um, even, you know, but maybe just motorcycle ride. Maybe just, just yeah, drop drop the other two songs, but uh, stick them on an EP or, or somewhere else because. But that, I mean, yeah. talk about a bloody prolific writer, because most of these songs are Tim Armstrong. Mm-hmm. You've got one, two, three, three Matt Freeman songs. Uh, and one Armstrong and Freeman song, and two Armstrong and Fredrickson songs. So there's only what one, two, three, four, five, six. The six songs that weren't purely written by Tim Armstrong. 
Oh, wow. So that's what, 17? 17 songs on this. So, and Whoa, 17. So many. And 17 is more songs than most albums. Yeah, definitely. And then he's like, oh, no, we've got room for all of them. And yours, lads, come on, bring them in. It's. <laughs> It's mad, and and you're right. It it does it does work as an album. I think it's really really good. I know um, Will Hodgson has the vinyl version of this, which was on two ten inch records. Oh, okay. And they play that in their barber shop quite often. Um, and I think it might actually work better like that. Like it might have been designed to have been two ten inch records rather than one cd but that's the way uh that's the way it goes i suppose uh so the artwork and stuff was done by um the art direction was done by tim armstrong and the art work um uh was joined by mackie osborne who uh is from the band fleabag all right Married to Buzz Osborne of the Melvins and has done artwork for Circle Jerks, Social Distortion, Melt Banana, a lot of Melvins albums, uh, All, Offspring, uh, Vandals, Assorted Jelly Beans, um, Oingo Boingo, Bad Religion, Mondo Generator, Tricky, the, uh, the electronic artist from the West Country tool and some other stuff as well so a little uh nod to her and uh, i really like the art direction it's um it's cool because the rancid logo looks like it's been spray painted like graffiti stenciled there is uh, a map of san francisco area and what looks like some tattoo flash so it's sort of perfect bit of um bit of that and also all of the uh, the back cover just features a photo of the band stood around a car uh and all of the um all of the writing looks like it's been cut out of newspapers so uh it looks like a ransom note so it's pretty rancid all round so what are your closing thoughts on let's go i think the best bit of it is how consistent it is given how long the album is um as mentioned like i do think that they could cut a little bit of it out and i don't think that you'd lose anything i think it would make the album a little punchier Mm -hmm. but it is really really impressive as a single piece of work sure What, what are your thoughts i I remember when I got this album, I remember really, really liking it and being surprised at how it didn't feel as long as I thought it would be. You look at the back of an album with 23 songs and you sort of automatically feel like it's going to be a chore. Yeah. And it and it really, really wasn't. I can say it does for me, maybe the wind comes out of the sails a little bit towards the end, but like literally the last two songs. So I I there's parts of me that sort of wish Rancid were a bit more like this these days as well. But their, yeah. their last album actually did have a bit more of a Let's Go Rancid 2000 feel to it, which I did like. Yeah, I I like later Rancid. I feel like it's um, 
Rancid's stuff in like the middle of their output, I don't think is the best. I think they've got some great stuff at the start. I think they've made some great stuff more recently. I think it's around, is it, is it Let the Dominoes Fall, where I'm not biggest Let fan. the Dominoes Fall, and was there one called Troublemaker? Or oh, okay. I don't like that. know that one. I can't remember. <clears throat> um, there were a couple of albums in the middle where they did lose me a little bit. I was, it just, it felt a bit by numbers. Yeah. I think it was, I, I associate it with when um, Tim grew that beard. Yeah. Sure. And I, and I, I don't know why, but I think just time-wise, he was like, I think I'm going to try beards. I'm going to see how beards are for a bit. And I don't know what sort of Cthulhu monster it was that attached itself <laughs> to his face. But um, but uh, yeah, I just sort of, I didn't feel like it was, I felt like they were, they were spreading themselves quite thin because he was doing like loads of work with the interrupters. He was yeah, doing transplants. Tim, and... Transplants, Tim Timebomb stuff. All these things. Lars is in like nine bands and was doing stuff with that, you know. So, yeah, it, it felt like I think up to a certain point, Rancid was like everything they ate, slept, ate, and you, you know, drank, and you know, they they just existed. They breathed Rancid, and then they, as is their right, decided they wanted to do some other things too. And I don't know if that sort of maybe diluted it for me or i don't I, I honestly couldn't say but there were a couple of albums in the middle that i wasn't didn't really care for but i thought their most recent album i listened to it a couple of times and i remember thinking oh cool I, i'm actually really quite enjoying this so and th- they released something i don't know if it was an album or a few singles or something but they certainly released some work back in just before i saw them in i think 2016 and i really liked that stuff too um so I do know that they have released some some solid tunes towards the the back end of their discography. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, th- this is some of the better Rancid stuff that I've heard. Um, I think I'll need to listen to this a few more times before I can work out if I prefer this to Indestructible. Mm-hmm. I think I prefer the length of Indestructible. And I think I like that there's more variety of songs. Like you don't get anything like Arrested in Shanghai on here. True, true. But I do think that there are some better tracks on here. And I do think it's more consistent than Indestructible. Yes, yeah, I uh, I agree. I remember being very, very big on Indestructible when it came out. And then I revisited it after a while and, and found I had a lot more sort of, like, I think David Courtney is a really stupid song. But, um, sure but sure um, yeah, yeah, yeah it's uh but there's some really good stuff on there too so i uh I, I don't mind i'm not expecting bands to put out you know precisely what i want to hear all the time that would be unreasonable <clears throat> but cool well if you are a fan of rancid or you're not or you think this is their best album their worst album their whatever album do get in touch punk rock elite podcast at gmail.com and we'll see you on the outro. We will. Bye. And that was Let's Go by Rancid. Um, yeah, did you enjoy that one? I did. What a fun time to talk about someone who isn't. No effect. It is. Uh, well, I think we, we chose Rancid because we'd enjoyed speaking about Rancid on the BYO split so much. We thought, well, let's 
talk about Rancid some more <laughs> and uh, make it a part of the show. So um, if you've got any uh, any suggestions of other bands you'd like to hear us talk about that are sort of no effects adjacent or, you know, would be uttered in the same breath, then do let us know, podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Want to leave the audience with any information, Red? Um, uh, you know, uh, tickets on sale now for Cinderella at Contact Theatre in Manchester. It's going to be good. Some shows are starting to sell out. So if you do want tickets, go and get them. Oh, very nice. Um, the uh, I'm going to be performing in the Sleaford Heat of the British Comedian of the Year competition because uh, I thought... I'm not busy that night. It's at Comedy Hotspot. So that's on Thursday, the 5th of October, um, which is just as well because the following morning, I've got to take my car in for an MOT. Exciting. Yes. And then I'll be at the Carriage Works that evening as a part of the discount comedy checkout for Shoecake Comedy, uh, Carriage Works Theatre in Leeds. Lovely. Wow, that was that felt proper Mark Marin there. <laughs> proper actual listings of things that you could go to ahead of time. I'm like, oh, this is good. I'm getting, I'm getting, uh, getting this work done. I've I've been listening to uh, um, a recent episode of Mark Maron's WTF podcast with Chevy Chase. I listened to that yesterday, and uh, I haven't finished it yet. But I like that his uh, wife appears to be in the room just to stop him from saying anything racist. <laughs> um. <laughs> I know she's in the room. It's weird. He actually comes off very, very well. He given, does, doesn't he? Yeah. Given how much people have said shit about it or said that he is like a real shit. Uh, so I'm I, I think he genuinely does say things to annoy people and that there is an actual malice behind his he, actual he's racism. Ve- he's very mischievous in the episode. He does yeah. say like like things that are just him being naughty rather than... Like he's sort of, I, th- he's I can't a remember. I can't, yeah, yeah. But there's a brilliant, there's a really funny bit where uh, Mark Maron talks about um, having interviewed the I've forgotten her name, so forgive me. The lady who plays his wife in the um, vacations, the National yes. Lampoon's vacations, yeah, yeah. and he says, "Because uh, of course you're in the movies with her." And he goes, "Who?" Just and it's really, really funny. And then he talks about how much he liked her and how good she was and all this stuff. But he just, you know, he's just being, just being naughty, and it's really, really funny. But he sounds really serious because it's funnier that way. So who knows? He probably, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's possible that he was slightly misunderstood. But he's like every time he talks about like Steve Martin or Martin Short or any of these people. Always like glowing, like really, really pleased. Anyway, it's just I just thought it was interesting because loads of people are like working with Chevy Chase is a pain. But now I think there's a possibility that Chevy Chase goes home to his wife and goes, I "Can't believe it! I was doing all my best jokes and they just looked at me weird and I don't like it. I don't understand." <laughs> so <laughs> who knows? He could also be a jerk. We don't know. But we'll um, when we come back with our side project, Chevy Chase jerk question mark. We'll uh, we'll look into it more. We are we are the Chevy Chase elite. We are the Chevy Chase Elite. Yeah, it's our job to keep punk rock Fletch. It's not this. We'll we'll work on it. We'll work on it. The one amigo. No, um, God, that would be a sad podcast, wouldn't it? 
I asked Steve and Martin if they wanted to do it, and they said no. So my podcast is now Chevy Chase, The One Amigo. I imagine The One Amigo is like a really, really dark graphic novel, like The Last Ronin. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. With The Last Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Yeah, yeah. It's just Chevy Chase giving himself seppuku. (laughs) He's walking around. He's just carrying the skulls of Steve Martin and Martin Short on a belt. (laughs) Sir. Okay, I kind of want to. I kind of want to see that now. Yeah, he's like the last surviving SNL member. <laughs> he was only on it for one season, so he feels like he's not real. And it's kind of like it, it's like you know Jet Li's the one, yes. in that all of the cast of SNL have to fight each other until there yes. is one remaining cast member of SNL. Oh, what you mean, like Highlander? Shh, it's not like Highlander because they're all Jet Li. Oh, of course it is. It's just Highlander. It's really just Highlander. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh, well, that's... Apparently, they're they're doing a remake of The One, apparently. Oh, right, wow. I mean, I assumed The One was a remake of some other Asian film. I I think it is what you've said. I think it's just a cheap imitation of Highlander. Yeah. Yeah. I think think the idea of, of a certain type of person whittling down so they can only be the one, I don't even think that's necessarily Highlander original. I'm sure there's no. some ancient... It, it does actually sound kind of Bushido code kind of adjacent, doesn't it? So it Very could true. well be from some old... Like how um, like how the Magnificent Seven is based on the Seven Samurai yes. and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So it, there could be something like that. But I think... But I mean, Highlander really did lean heavy on the... There can only be one. There is just one. Kill everyone else who is not you. The one. Sort of thing. So... <laughs> And it was great, and uh, and I love Highlander. So um, it goes Highlander, the cartoon, nothing else. Yeah, cartoon's quite good, isn't it? I, I it's surprisingly that. It's all right for what is a kid's interpretation, you know, a child-friendly interpretation of Highlander. But you know, mm. you know, I always forget how much I enjoy uh, Highlander. There was actually a uh, a bar in Madrid called Kurgan. Really? Yeah, yeah, it was a rock bar in one of the barrios, um, and uh, and it had a it had the Kurgan sword above the bar. Like oh, that's cool. Of it. Yeah, it was a bit metal, and because it was Spain, it was all sort of like eighties metal. Yeah, it's not very heavy, but they act as if it's like the most insane sound they've ever heard because it's still catching up. Or well, they were in two thousand and seven. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but it was still kind of fun. And they're sort of going, oh, where's this? Ah, and then, and also what's funny is, is that they're sort of, uh, because they, 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 when someone is a geek in Spain, like a nerd, they call them freakies. So it's like you're <laughs> a freaky, which makes it sound like you're into like really weird sex, which could be a crossover, but it's, that's kind of funny. But also um, <laughs> when someone is punk or a punk, they call them a punky. Which is great. Which is so infantilized. It's really, really funny. It's like, oh, are you a punky? Oh, so sort of love that people recognize that I like punk, but also wildly um, sort of condescended to at the same time. But anyway, <laughs> it's all good. Um, so go and look at all of that. Uh, thank you so much, Red. And I'll... I was going to say thank you, Eddie. I know. And I kept on talking with nothing to say. That's me all over. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll see you all next time. Uh, take care, everybody. Bye bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Punk Rock Elite. It was a Pick Scrapes and Fruitcake co-production by Eddie French and Red Redmond. If you're not following us on Instagram or subscribe to the podcast, please do. The main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.